Welcome to the Donaghclody Parish Podcast. We're an Anglican Evangelical Church committed to glorifying God, preaching the gospel, and making disciples. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you're the Lord that reveals yourself to your people. We pray that you will reveal yourself to us in your word this evening on this Advent Sunday as we come to listen to you speak to us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As we come close to the end of the year, we started reflecting on the book of Isaiah, the last three chapters of Isaiah. Last Sunday, we were looking at Isaiah chapter 64, which is a God-centered prayer that Isaiah the prophet prayed. In his prayer, Isaiah voiced out the prayers of the remnant of the Jews. We saw how the people, the Jews, cried out in their prayer to God to come down and make his name known to their enemies. But by asking God to come down and fight their enemies when they are in desperate need is very much like the church and many of us today. Sometimes we feel because we are God's children or because we are Christians, we deserve to be treated fairly. We demand special form of treatment because we belong to God. God should be fighting for us. Yet, our life and attitude constantly deny Christ. As Christians that praise to God to help us in times of trouble, why is it that we don't see God? Why will he not reveal himself to us? Sometimes we feel God is distant We can't see him. We are saying it loud and clear. God, reveal yourself because I can't see you. Is your prayer like that tonight? Today, we looked at Isaiah 65, which is the ultimate answer to prayer, not only the prayer that we saw last Sunday, but to all the prayers we always pray to God. We pray for God to reveal himself in our life, in the situation that we are confronted with. I can't see you. Is that your prayer tonight? In Isaiah 65, God hereby gave the ultimate answer to all our prayers and questions. The Lord said, here I am, I am present, I am here, but not everyone will see me. Open your Bible with me and turn to Isaiah chapter 65 as I consider my first point of the sermon tonight, the Lord who reveals himself. The Lord who revealed himself, Isaiah 65. You see, the first answer to the prayer of God's people is a personal declaration of God, which you will find in verse 1 of Isaiah 65. Do you see that? See it with me. God said, 
I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. To a nation that did not call on my name, I said, here I am, here am I. I'm sure you would expect that God will reveal himself to the Jews who had called on his name in chapter 64, as we saw last week. They have called unto God to make his name known, verse 2, chapter 64. They have prayed with their minds open to the character of God who cares about them as a father. Yet, the Lord answered that he revealed himself to people who did not ask for him. Why would God answer the prayer of his people in such manner? Why would God choose to reveal himself to people who did not ask for him rather than his children, rather than the Jews, rather than Christians, rather than the church today? To understand that reason, let's roll back the camera. Let's roll back the theme to 2 Kings chapter 24. In 2 Kings chapter 34 is a story about the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the temple at Jerusalem. He removed all the gold that Solomon the king had put in the temple. He carried into exile all Jerusalem. All the officers and fighting men were carried away. Only the poorest people of the land were left. You see that in verse 14 of 2 Kings 24. The poorest, the poorest that were left are the remnant of the Jews who have prayed the prayer which was voiced by Isaiah in chapter 64 that we looked at last week. Yet, this prayer does not seem to represent the heart of the Jewish exiles in Babylon. And here in chapter 65, God speaks to the art. He speaks to that art, the art of those who have not repented, a art that has a shallow repentance. Could this be the type of art that we have as Christians today? Could it be the same heart that many in the church of God have today? Do you have a a shallow repentance heart? Like these Jews that were in exile in Babylon. Are we like these same people that when we are in trouble, we turn to God, we cry out to him, we seek him with all our heart only when we are in trouble? But when we feel relieved, when we experience a bit of ease and comfort, we quickly forget God and we turn away from him. Are we like that? Like these same people that prayed the prayer in Isaiah 64? Those who have a shallow repentance heart, is that myself? Is that you tonight? Is that the church of God today? I remember at the start of the pandemic, a lot of people turned to God. Do you notice that? 
There are a lot of people who are interested in the things of God because of the global pandemic. And you would almost certainly think that this pandemic will change our world view of God. And in all fairness, it did to an extent. Yes. Afflictions and troubles seem to be the only thing that brings us closer to God in repentance. But the repentance seems to be shallow. We see that as well, that as soon as the, I mean, the, the restrictions are lifted from, you know, from the lockdown and everything, people seem to go back into their old ways of living. In Isaiah 65, we see the ultimate answer to the prayer of Isaiah 64. In reply to the cry of God's people, God said, if you're praying for me to calm down, I only reveal myself to those people who wait for me, to those people who gladly do right, and to those people who remembers my ways, just as he, have, as he has said in verse 4 to 5 of Isaiah 64. Unfortunately, the Jews were not doing those things so God is not revealed to them. But what do we know of the behavior of these people that make God to answer them like this in verse 1? Say with me in verse 2 to 5 of the same book, uh, Bible reading tonight. Say with me. The Bible says, all day long I have held out my hands to an obstinate people. Do you see that? People who walk in ways not good, pursuing their own imaginations. A people who continually provoke me to my very face, offering sacrifices in gardens and burning incense on altars of brick, who sit among the graves and spend their nights keeping secret vigil, who eat the flesh of pigs and whose pots hold broth of unclean meat, who say, keep away, don't come near me, for I am too scared for you. Such people are smoke in my nostrils, a fire that keeps burning all day. On such people, God says, there will be judgment. See what these people are doing. See, today is Advent Sunday. And as we wait patiently for the coming of Christ, because that is what Advent is all about, is a reflection on the second coming of Christ as we look forward to Christmas, which celebrates the birth of Jesus. We look again in reflection to the second coming of Christ. But what would that look like? We ask God to come down. What will it look like when it comes back? It's going to come with judgment. As we wait patiently for God's coming, for the coming, the second coming of Christ, how does our life and relationship look? How does it look? Are we living like these Jews that we've just read about? Are we living like, living like these Jews who are obstinate, whose ways are not good, 
who pursue their own imaginations and continually provoke God. Are we living like them? Many Christians today are obstinate. We are responding to multi-faith agenda in our world. But God is calling us to full repentance, not partial repentance, not shallow repentance. And to those who will not repent, see what the Lord said in verse 6 to 7. He said, I will pay back in full both for your sins and the sins of your fathers. He went on to declare more justice. He said, I will measure into their laps the full payment for their former deeds. This is scary, but it is real. It is true that God is coming to judge the wicked. He's coming to judge those who are obstinate. He's coming to judge those people who does not put their trust in him. In summary, God is saying, sin will not go unpunished. No. No, except you turn back from your evil ways and do good, except you trust in Jesus for your salvation and follow him day by day. Can I ask you this question? How many of us is familiar or aware of Tesco's Christmas advertisement slogan for this year? Say so the slogan says, no one is on the naughty list. Do you remember that? But here is what God is saying. God is saying, no, some people are definitely on the naughty list and as a loving father, is constantly calling for them. He's saying to them, come out of your sin. Repent of your sin. Come to me. Do you see that? In verse 2, the Bible says, all day long I have held out my hands to an obstinate people. The Lord's hand is wide open. What will you do to his hands tonight? What will you do to the loving father who is calling you to himself? Will you receive this offer? Will you receive his hands? Will you trust him? For those who trust him, he made a promise. Not a promise of judgment, but a better promise. See with me, in verse 8 to 9, God said, there is blessing for those who receive him. Let's see that together as I consider my second and final point for this sermon. Two promises, one of blessing and the other of chastisement. Let's see these two promises. The Bible says in verse 8, as when Jews is still found in a cluster of graves and people say, don't destroy it. There is still a blessing in it. So will I do in behalf of my servants, on behalf of my servants. I will not destroy them all. I will bring forth descendants from Jacob and from Judah, those who will possess my mountains. My chosen people will inherit them and there will be, there will be my servants leave. 
Sharon will become a pasture for flocks and the valley of Acre a resting place for herds for my people who seek me. Do you see that? God is saying in these two verses that if you will receive my welcome, if you will receive the hand that I'm stretching out to you in verse 2, if you will put your trust in me for the rest of this year and for the rest of your life, it said, you will be preserved. It said, you will be kept saved for himself. Not only that, he promised us a place of rest, something that looks like a mountain with green pastures for the sheep, a resting place for all those who seek him. But what happens to those who reject him? Whoever rejects reject the offer of God will be destined for the sword. To see that verse 12. They will be cut off from God. Eternally, they will be separated from the source of living bread and living water. The one who gives eternal life. God will judge those people who reject him. Why? See with me in verse 12. It says, when he called them, they did not answer. When he spoke to them, they did not listen. And often, they choose to displease God. That is why they will be judged. Whenever God calls them, they don't answer. Whenever God speaks to them, they don't listen. And they often choose to displease God. How about us today? How about yourself? How about myself this evening? Today is Advent Sunday. In this season of Advent, how are we living our life as Christians? You see, Isaiah 65 presented us with two ways to live. One way of life leads to blessing and the other way of life leads to judgment. If you turn to God in genuine repentance of heart and follow his ways, God will forgive your sins, as he said in verse 16. It says, for the past troubles will be forgotten and hidden from my eyes. Do you see that? We see the fulfillment of God's words and promises in Christ Jesus as we reflect on him in the New Testament. Hear what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Just see the shadow of Isaiah 65 in Matthew chapter 11, when Jesus is saying the same thing that God said to his people, to these obstinate people. Jesus is saying, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And he also said, in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, he said, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. To those who come to him, to those who come to Jesus, he promised a resting place. This place that Jesus promised is different to the place we are now. 
It told us a little of it in verse 17 to 19. You'll find that, um, you know, in Isaiah 65, 17 to 19, the Bible says, See, I will create new heavens and a new heart. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create, for I will create Jerusalem to be a delight, and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. Here, in Isaiah 65, the passage is not talking about the old Jerusalem that was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, as we saw earlier on, but it's actually referring to the new Jerusalem, a shadow that we see in Revelation chapter 21, when John talked about new heaven and new earth, a place of rest that is prepared for those who wait for the Lord, those who gladly do right, those who remember and walk in his ways. It is a place prepared for those who come to Jesus. The end is still stretched out. It's calling you to come, come to me, all ye who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. As we continue in this season of Advent, as we think and reflect about the second coming of Christ, let us be challenged and encouraged by these words and let us choose to live a life that brings glory to his name. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We pray, Lord, at this season of Advent, you would help us to seek you above other things. Help us to have a full repentance in you. And help us, O oh Lord, to trust in you so that you'll be revealed to us. For in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Donnelly Parish podcast. We're happy for this teaching to be shared for the advancement of gospel work and to help make disciples. For information about Donnelly Parish, please check out our website www.donaglonyparish.co.uk or find us on social media.